Hey guys, Joe here. Before we get into this episode, I wanted to take a moment to let you know that Matthew and I originally planned for our conversations with our guests to be one episode, uh, but due to the length of the conversations and rather than having an overly long episode, we're going to be moving the covering section of the conversation to next episode. I'm going ahead and letting you know now, uh, because we talk about getting into coverings uh, during this episode, but again, that'll end up being next episode. So with that said, thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the Aviation RC New Podcast. You found us. My name is Joe. And I'm Matt. We're here to be with you along your journey and to share our experiences in RC Aviation. If you have any questions, thoughts, or want to share a flight story, hit us up at aviationrcnoob at gmail.com. Now, buckle in. Let's take off. Welcome back to episode 20, covering with our special guest, Chris McCallum. Uh, in this episode, Joe and I are going to be talking to our special guest and listener, uh, Chris McCallum, who's also known as Battle Axe on the Forums. He's also got a YouTube channel that shows us all the awesome things that he's been flying. Uh, we're going to talk to him about uh, his beginning in the hobby and his journey so far, uh, as well as um, we're going to talk about our list of to-dos and builds and... Uh, stuff that we do with our remote control planes. And we're also going to talk about coverings. Um, so without further ado, welcome, Chris. Welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you very much, man. Uh, thanks for having me here. Really appreciate it. You guys are looking good. Well, thank you. Thanks for being here. <laughs> yeah, face only, only a mother could love is what I've been told. <laughs> face for radio is what they say, right? Good thing you're here. <laughs> well, that's, it works. That explains... It explains the podcast, that's for sure. Nice. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Excellent. No, really, very excited to have you on, though. Excellent. No, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, uh, good, good. Um, well, as always, we like to get into our flying stories, um, and so we kind of talk about what we've done, and it has been, Joe, how long has it been? We took a small break, right? Yeah, five weeks. We, we oh. took a break in there, uh, and we talked about it at our one year wrap up episode that there was a lot going on. It had been a year and it, it would be advantageous to take a week off, uh, take a episode cycle off. Uh, so mm -hmm. really it was supposed to be last Saturday that we were going to be oh, releasing, sorry. but we, uh, this episode, but then we went ahead and pushed it back one more week, uh, due okay. to some things that were going on. Um, which I'll kind of talk about in a minute when we get into the fly stories. Okay. Easy enough. Uh, I'll tell you what, for, I don't know about you, Chris, but in the Carolinas, it has been just probably the rainiest stinking month that I think we've seen in a long, long, long Absolutely. time. It's been ridiculous. And it, it makes it really hard to get out and fly when you're trying to do a build challenge where you're trying to build and fly four different planes. So that's what I'm going to be talking about while I uh, fly. But um, what, what about you, Chris? How's it been up there? Up in, uh, where were you from? Man, I'm uh, I'm up here in Canada, Alberta, Canada, man. 
Alberta, Canada. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you near any major city that anybody might find on a map? Or Yeah, absolutely, man. Edmonton. Edmonton. Uh, it's the capital nice. of Alberta, the capital city of Alberta. It's uh, where we have our legislature, West Edmonton Mall. It's uh, yeah, a really hot touristy sort of place, I guess. Dude, that's like, that was like <laughs> the like giantest place, uh, giant uh, large mall in North America, right? For a long while. It, it, it was. Wasn't I think it? it held the title for a little bit. There was uh, some some competitors out there down south of the border in your kind of territory and California and that kind of stuff. But yeah, no, I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure there's uh there's there's larger ones out there now for sure. Oh yeah, of course. Everybody's got to do a little little bit bigger and a little bit crazier. Mm. Uh, I know some of them have like theme parks. And that's ridiculous. Um. Anyway, so uh, if you don't mind, what you want to kick off our. Uh, Building and flying stories. Well, what have you been doing for the last month or so? Uh, actually, um, we did have a bit of a cold snap there, where it was like uh, it got really cold, like minus twenty uh, Celsius. So you're looking at oh, um, stupid cold, right? So uh, yeah, that's it was. Cold. There was a few weeks of that, so you kind of have, have have to wait that out. I mean, you could go out there and fly for a couple minutes, maybe you know, get frostbite on your thumbs or however it works out. I guess you set yourself up, but uh, <laughs> it is what it is, right? Uh-oh. Uh, the lipos, I'm yeah, pretty sure so. they don't like those kind of temperatures either. Um, I, I can I can guarantee mm. you the props don't. If you have a belly lander, you're you're losing props every time you go to land, so you better have a handful of those, right? Oh, my right? gosh. Yeah. So, right. But, uh, so, yeah, going through that, I was doing uh, doing a little bit of building. I did build the sea duck. So uh, the sea duck, man, that's that's my fourth my fourth build on that one, man. Oh my God. Yeah. You, you love that thing. I'll tell you what, I remember you did the, uh, what was it? Is this stole challenge or something And you, you built one of those and you took off and landed it. How many times? 56 you know, on one battery. Yeah. It was 56 oh on one battery. A three S battery. I think it was too. Jeez Louise. Yeah. I'll yeah, tell you was... what, you gave me a lot of respect for the sea duck when I saw that happen. I'm like, Oh my gosh. That's incredible. Well, actually, you know that what? Is, I, I didn't even awesome. think it would go that far. Tell you the truth, I thought did thirty tops, thirty landings on a top. Yeah, I know, so, right? Like I'm no expert at landing, man. There's there was some wobbly landings in there for sure. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. If you ever get a chance, go look for his uh, his video on that because it's fun to watch. You captured. I mean, you were out there. The video captures every single one of those landings. I think you count them as you go and stuff. It was, yeah, it was yeah, awesome. yeah. Well, you kind of had to do that for the challenge. I, I actually, you know, what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of unfortunate because I did. I did try the uh, the uh, how much weight it could carry challenge, and I strapped. Mm-hmm. I strapped a couple water bottles to the top of it, and I tried just just <laughs> one. Like that was my first attempt. Just two water bottles. Mm-hmm. This this is going to be pretty much. Uh, equal to what its weight is on its own kind of idea. So I'm doubling right. the weight of the plane on the same wing load kind of idea. And uh, yeah. man, she, 4S, she struggled. Holy crap. There was a lot of runway that was oh, eating yeah. up. And yeah, it was, and the <laughs> landing, uh, it wasn't tuned for like landing with a lot of weight. I should have had more flare in it kind of idea. I'm not really too sure, right. but it, it it dropped like a rock. It, it, it took a lot of strength to get it up. I got it around to do a turn without <laughs> tip stalling it. But coming back yeah. down because it was down slope and you're coming down for the landing, you're going a lot faster mm-hmm. now, right? And it's it's coming down heavy. It's not it's not. Oh yeah. There's there's no fluffing it off <laughs> off the snow or anything like that. So I kind of I kind I kind of beat it up. I kind of beat that one up. So I was like, by the okay. time I was going to build a new one, I was out of the challenge anyway, past you know deadline. So I was like, it was fun to nice. do though. It was fun to do, man. It was that land. It kind of tested me, right? So it was. Yeah, that looked like a fun challenge. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Nice. 
Uh, well, okay, so you built a sea duck. What else? I mean, uh, so my knowledge of you is that every time I turn around and think I'm cooking at building stuff, I turn around and see that you built like three or four. <laughs> and usually you're, you're building them. So what, what else are you working on this month? Well, I was also, I had, uh, I had, uh, I, I had the Mustang, that Master Series Mustang from uh, Flight Test. It was, uh, mm-hmm. it was an awesome build. It was uh, from, from uh, Flight Test. It was my second build. There was the, uh, the uh, Spitfire that I did in the Seafire uh, C- sort of livery. I, I did that. It and looks so uh, good. that one, I was uh, crazy thing is I was almost scared to fly that one, and I'm glad I did because that inspired me to do the Mustang because I had crashed the Spitfire on like the third flight or something like that. So, right. and it was just to the point where it was brittle anyway. Like I said, it sat in the shelf for probably, I don't know, man, eight months maybe before I even, <laughs> I even flew it. So I think the foam board got all brittle and it just third landing in, it was just wings folded on it and stuff like that. So, okay, no, not, 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 not playing with that one anymore, but, uh, got into, okay. uh, doing, doing the Mustang and the Mustang was a lot of fun, man. I got maybe 20 flight, flights out of that one before I'd. I'm always doing, you know, things to push myself. So I, I do stupid stuff with planes yeah. I shouldn't be doing it with kind of idea. And Mustang being <laughs> a faster scale plane, you probably shouldn't be doing inverted down the street kind of idea. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, none of this is caught on film, right? It's it's just, you know, you're doing you're doing it to practice <laughs> to see if you can do it and put it on film, right? And make it look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First attempt. Yeah. Uh, there's another Warbird, right? So. Yeah. So, okay. So I know Joe and I kind of, we haven't really gotten into the Mustang yet, but he and I have both flown uh, the Spitfire, the original FT Spitfire. You've flown both. Mm-hmm. Um, what What's your feeling on, and obviously you went with the Master Series, you have, you have both the Master Series. I know you've flown, I think the original. Yeah. Um, uh, have you flown the, the basic one of both of those? Because I, I know they made a, a Mustang and a Spitfire that was basically that that kind of simple fold over style wing and the pretty simple box fuse with a turtle deck. Yeah, that was my first Spitfire that I built. Okay. Yeah, and I, I built that like really early into my into my uh introduction to the hobby kind of idea. Oh wow, nice. And it was it so was my it was my breakout feeling? plane actually. It was uh it was I went from like the mini scout, you know, the three channel mini scout. I went from yeah. that one yeah, yeah. into the Spitfire. And the Spitfire, I was like, it, 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 I, I built it bank and yank, like the, the three-channel uh, mini scout. It's There's no ailerons, right? It's all just rudder and elevator, right? So it's it's very simple. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of like Dutch roll to it and stuff like that. But you can keep it up for a full battery. You feel like your success, right? So um, mm-hmm. doing the Spitfire, that Spitfire too, man, that sat on the shelf for like three months even before I flew that one too. But it was like I was scared of it. It's almost like, yeah, it intimidated me sitting there, right? So I didn't, I didn't want right. to. put this is the first one that I put a lot of time into to the plans. Everything was like, you know, I had it down yeah. perfect, right? So I, did, I knew I was going to crash it. So I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't want to fly it, right? I was scared of the thing, and then I finally <laughs> flew it. I finally got the, you know, testicular fortitude to put it up in the air, and I chucked it up, and the thing was gorgeous right off the bat. Like it, it, it was built to fly, right? And it was easy to fly, yeah, and it just yeah. it just opened me up. It just like going going from the success of that I had of having a full battery through like like I said the mini scout, which is you know 
a challenge on its own at that point in time. And it's like, man, I got this plane. I have it in the car. I'm here. I might as well. Okay, let's do this, right? And then you, you chuck it up and it's just like an aha moment, right? And it's like, holy crap, why didn't I do this three months ago, right? So I had yeah. the exact same experience with mine. Like, I, I can't tell you how long I put off building the Spitfire. I'm like, no, nah, I should, I'll save it for later. I heard warbirds are, were horrible. And then all of a sudden, I, I finally get, you know, like you said, you know, get the chance to build it and say, okay, I'm just going to do it. And then it goes up in the flat. And I'm like, what was I thinking? Like, why did I wait so long? This thing is amazing. Yeah. Like, Joe, I don't know. You you didn't have to wait very long. And I certainly encourage you just like, no, just build it. You're going to have a good time. Like, but what I, I know you had a similar experience. Like, you were expecting it to be a handful. Yeah. I mean, it it was worrisome because it was going to be it that ended up being my first real four channel um you know aileron rudder and all that and while my glider technically had all that um you know we kind of know how that went so it was a little worrisome starting it uh getting it going but you know we flew together that first time and yeah no it it quickly became my favorite plane to have flown uh to that point and now so far like it was such mm -hmm. a fun little bird to fly and it does have some dihedral mixed into its design. So that really helps with the, it being a nicer plane and, you know, more fun, but it helps with those, uh, figuring out how to fly it, if you will. Nice. So, so Chris, so between the Mustang and the Spitfire, do you have a preference right now? uh actually it, it, you kind of go back and forth with it like i've out of the two master series like pretty much back to back that i've built and flown um the spitfire i think i think if i i had built the spitfire as my second plane the quality of the build would have been a lot better plus not waited so long to fly it i think uh my flight experience <laughs> with it would probably would have been better um just being able to dial it in but um knowing my experience with the spitfire this one well, I, w I wasn't really scared of this one at this point in time because I'm a lot further on in the hobby kind of idea. So um, yeah. between the two of them, man, um, they both flew so well. And I think I think the Spitfire, just by design, is a bit more of an aerodynamic plane. So if, if speed is your thing and I like speed, I think I'd, I'd do another Spitfire and I'd do it. I'd, I'd probably customize it a little bit kind of thing, you know, make, make a couple changes with it. But it was, mm -hmm. it was you know... Um, it didn't feel as draggy as the Mustang, just in the fact that the Mustang, you know, it, it does have that big vent at the bottom, that kind of idea. But both planes, both planes mm -hmm. were a lot of fun. Like to really compare it, it's not really apples and oranges. It's more like a Granny Smith compared to, you know, a, a Red Delicious. Yeah, any Red Delicious, exactly. It's same thing, right? Okay. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It nice. just depends on what you go okay. for. The scale looks that I got on the Mustang were a lot better than I did on the Spitfire. So. On camera, mm -hmm. man, that 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 Mustang, yeah. she really she really fired it off, right? So, yeah, but that's like they were both beautiful, and I think you know it. <laughs> they were they were both good looking planes. I'm sure they looked amazing in the air. Yeah, to at least see you. Yeah, they, a lot of times, a lot of times, just even seeing the silhouette of a Spitfire, you know, over a Mustang, mm -hmm. it's just so recognizable. It's almost just looking at the silhouette as it's flying over you, that kind of stuff. It just it has that sort of yeah, shape yeah. to it and it's you just have a kinship to it. It's, you know it depends on what you like if you like the mustang that might be your thing as well you know you never know yeah 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 i'm with you 
so th those weren't the only ones you've been building. Like I said, you generally tend to be a pretty busy builder, as it were, right? Yeah. Uh, so um, since since I uh, I'd crashed my fourth duck and uh, that um, that Mustang, um, I've also built uh, a wing. So the wing itself, uh, I don't even know if you could call it a wing. It's like an aileron elevator sort of style of plank sort of uh, wing, kind of goblin-esque. Okay. If, if you're going to look at it kind okay. of idea, 30 inch wingspan, eight inch prop, 2212 and a 1400 KV 3S. The thing weighs like, I don't know, maybe 480 grams, 485 grams or something like that. So it's not your sub 250, oh, wow. yeah, yeah. but it'd definitely be a, okay. you know, a really good FPV platform at some point. But yeah, so it was just mm -hmm. something that I just whipped up out of my head. No plans, just uh, looking at a couple sheets of foam board and no planes to fly. So um, it was just something mm -hmm. that I just, uh, pulled off the top of my head and working with it and I've flown it, put it about, I don't know, 10 packs through it so far. And man, it's, it's so stable. It's so easy to fly. It's, it's like point and shoot. Fast. It's, it's really good. It's fast. It's slow. It goes, you got, I got the, uh, yeah. the, uh, radio master, uh, open TX, uh, TX 16. Okay. Yeah. So mm -hmm. using that, you can dial in curves and stuff like that. The thing just, it's, it's amazing. That's a, I'm kind of surprises okay. me actually nice. just off the top of the head. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've done something that the two of us haven't done. And I know this is kind of pushing on the edge of the month, but I remember when we started doing the build Rory stuff, you had just like, it was like, maybe it was last month. Uh, you were finishing up uh, a balsa build, right? Yeah. That was a, the that was a few months ago now. Yeah. Yeah. The hair's pits. Oh, geez, yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's been and a while. We'll, we'll maybe we'll get into that later when we talk about the coverings. Sure. Yes, that's an experience I think Joe and I both don't have is the using the the coating material that the, that typically gets used with balsa and how that all works, you know. Yeah, I'll I see. know the well, two of was, us have got some questions. It was uh it was my first roll at the uh roll at the hat for that covering. So as far as my experience goes with it, it's kind of limited. But uh you know, so my knowledge of it's not going to be, not going to be, you know, too terrific on it. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of people that are going to, you know, comment on your channel and say, no, you're doing it wrong. And I'll probably be, I, pro I probably am, but, uh, yeah, I know, right. Let's, uh, let, let's for sure. That's we'll... how I feel about every time we get on the air here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, no, let's, uh, let's do it up for sure. Yeah. Uh, you haven't been sticking, I was going to say, I know you built an FD3D and I'm curious we can talk about that maybe later about how that flew because we'll stick a pin in that. Uh, you've also been doing some things that aren't um, flying, right? Because you were saying it was like negative 20. So you kind of have to figure out what else you're going to do when you're not doing that, right? What have you been up to with that? So off and on, I've been kind of playing around. Well, just, you know, watching videos, you're bored, pandemic, you're stuck at home, whatever. It's cold outside. You're not flying. You're watching YouTube videos. I've been kind of, you know, getting inspired with uh, these like uh, land-based sort of stuff, right? So rock crawlers, scale, scale vehicles, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And uh, so, yeah, I've been kind of dabbling my toes in the waters of the uh, rock crawling world as, at this point. Not not nice. diving in, just dabbling the toes okay. kind of an idea Yeah, yeah. because it's... It's not, you know, five dollars with a foam board. There's a little bit more, more of an expense to it, right? And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and the replacement parts are a month and a half out, and at least twenty dollars a pop, right? You know. That, that, yeah, well, you get on bang goodness. Not just you're on there for one item, and then it's all of a sudden it's three items, and you're saying add to cart, right? And all that <laughs> kind of stuff, right? Just click, just click. <laughs> 
it's okay. Yeah, exactly, right? It's easier to ask for uh, forgiveness <laughs> than to beg for permission kind of idea, right? So, yeah. is it the other yeah, way exactly. around? Ask for, yeah. Uh, wait, it's, it's better to ask for forgiveness than to beg for permission. Yeah. No, it's better to beg That's for it. permission than ask for forgiveness? No. I don't know. No, I don't you know. Wanna, you want to do after the fact. Just do what you want and then ask right. for, for forgiveness later. I think it depends on how much out. trouble you want to be in. <laughs> and who you're being in trouble with, I guess. Yeah. yeah. How much how much heat are you used to? <laughs> I know, right? Uh, I'll tell you what, one thing that I really enjoyed seeing you do over this past week or this past uh, month was you got you dabbled in I guess you must have had a couple extra motors hanging around or something, because you decided to check out a hovercraft and like go full tilt on that. Yeah, man, you're bringing up a lot of, I guess I have been kind of busy with stuff, eh? Yeah. So the hovercraft, <laughs> the hovercraft. Uh, yeah. That was just inspired by, again, more YouTube video. I got to stop watching YouTube, I guess it's, uh, it's getting, getting me into trouble here. Uh, yeah, no, so I know. So I was watching guys build them like 3d printing them and stuff like that. And then I watched one guy do it, uh, just at a home built. He's like, this is all home built, like home to home built supplies. And he's like, find whatever you have, but I'm pretty sure you could, you know, I've got like sheets of coroplast here. I had a little bit of, a little bit of insulation, a garbage bag, who doesn't have a garbage bag, a little bit of foam board scraps. We're, we do it with the right. planes, motors, that kind of, of thing. Yeah. So it just added up where, Hey man, why don't I just try it and see what happens. Right. And it, uh, it ended up working out. I got a video on that one too, on the YouTube channel there, the, uh, North 49 RC, right. So yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. It was, uh, it was an interesting build. I kind of, out of the videos, you kind of take the best of whatever you see and whatever worked out for everybody kind of idea and what didn't. So yeah. you're, you kind of have that reference to go from, right? And in doing that, I think yeah, that uh, for my first attempt, it, it did turn out pretty well. It, uh, well so how many videos of different builds did you watch before you decided on what you're going to do? Uh, I don't know, maybe a handful, uh, five, six okay. kind of idea. You, you just, I just searched it up, right? I mean, I watched a video or two of yeah. it. Like uh, there was one guy that went through like, just like a, I don't know, a 10 minute build 3D printed video kind of idea. And then he had a part two. Mm -hmm. So that's you know, that's kind of cool. How do, how, how would I do that without a 3d printer? So you search that up, right? Home built, homemade yeah. sort of stuff. And then you start seeing some other videos or just even search it up and you look through the list. Right. And so I was like, Oh man, I could, mm -hmm. I got some, I got something that I could, I could use for that. I got, I got garbage bags, right. That kind of thing. And you know, I'll, I'll just figure yeah. it out. Right. And I got a couple motors and you know, mine was smaller than the, the guy that, uh, the first guy that I saw with his home, home built sort of thing. Mine was about, I don't know, quarter the size. Of what he had going on so okay it was uh it was a lot easier to build and a lot easier to rip around on but yeah no it worked out really well uh, so what did you think it was going to be like uh how i guess how well did you think it was going to perform and then like after you 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 used it like did you have to do a lot of tweaking what do you think after the you checked it out uh the first time, the first time I, 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 uh, I, I, I don't know. What do you, do you fly a hovercraft? I don't know. What, what is it? They hover, right? Do you fly uh, float, them? Float it. Are you, are you, float it? it. Are you, are you a pilot? Are you a captain? Drive it. You? Drive it. Do you drive it? I'm not too sure. Yeah. You drive it. It's, right. it's, uh, let me see. It's kind of like an airboat. So yeah, you drive it. You drive it. Okay. All right, cool. So, uh, yeah, the first time, like I powered it up on the floor, well, it, it was indoors. <laughs> right. I mean, so I was whipping around. I think I even posted a video on that for a little bit. I ended up deleting it. It was just like really raw home built footage kind of idea. Yeah. I think I saw it. You ran into like everything a couple of times. Yeah, exactly. Right. But, uh, yeah, whipping it around, you know, the living room or whatever you do, there was, 
the base plate the only thing i really tweaked on it from like the original build was the base plate i didn't think it would it, it had like enough hover kind of idea it had definitely the thrust and the control but it didn't really have the okay. hover the lift so i just opened mm -hmm. up the holes on the uh on the base plate that's that's holding the skirt the bottom of the skirt down kind of idea for the hovercraft mm -hmm. so open those holes up got more airflow going underneath it man she just whipped around all over the place it was okay time to take it outside right so that was really Really, the only tweaking like it's it's a pretty simple concept. Once you once you understand it, you see guys' trials and errors with it and stuff like that. And okay, that's a design I'm going with. Mm -hmm. I kind of went with that. Yeah, it ended up working out. So, so how did it handle like did it was it okay on rough terrain or was it like, you know what I mean? Like, were you worried about the bags kind of ripping? Because I mean, it's just a it's just a garbage bag, right? Oh man, in my video you'll see I was kind of I was kind of beating it up in the yard. It was mostly over the snow and the ice and stuff like that. But you'll see I was like whipping it all mm -hmm. over the yard and taking it over some rough terrain just to see what it would do. I'd, I'd crash it a couple of times, flipped it over, that kind of thing. And um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you look at the bag underneath. From when I first had, like I probably had it outside probably about again a handful of times, six, seven times or something like that. Even mm -hmm. had it. There was another guy that actually whipped it around the yard when I had it out earlier, kind of thing. I don't know a few days before I filmed it. And uh, I was, it's kind of funny you mentioned that because I was trying to get like the heavy duty garbage bags. I looked at the bag after, you know, those, that handful of times that it was outside running over pine mm -hmm. cones and ice and snow and all that kind of thing. Not a scratch, oh, yeah, scuff, right. anything. There was, there was nothing. There was no punctures. There was nothing in the bag. Wow. Oh. Like, I, I guess it just, I guess it just levitates so well. It doesn't even like, it barely even touches anything. It was just, it's just a garbage bag. You know what I mean? So I was kind of surprised. It was, I'm definitely going to do a version two for sure. Nice. Well, good. I guess that brings us to uh, Joe. You want to go or you want me to go? Um, I can go ahead and go real quick because mine will be fairly quick and then we can close out on you. Um, so, yeah, we talked like the weather has been bad down here. And, Chris, I'm glad you've had, um, I guess, not good weather, but at least it's not been terribly wet. It sounds like you mostly got the snow and the ice. Um, we, uh, we've we had, I won't say a month solid, but just a lot of rain. Um, and I really wanted to take the opportunity over the last month to get out and fly a little more in any we may have had a day or two during the week that was clear, but the sun's still going down so early because we've not shifted the clocks forward, back, forward, spring forward. So we've not shifted the clocks yet. So when I'm getting off work, like it's already about nighttime. So I've not been able to fly during the week, say when it was clear. And then weekends, it was just always rainy, nasty. Uh, so it never really... Uh, lended itself to a, a good opportunity to go out and fly. And I actually ended up taking one day off work. It was uh, a Monday. I said, you know what? I'll take this day off work. It's sort of the first of the month. Um, and, you know, it's not supposed to rain that day. I'll have an opportunity to go out and fly. And it rained anyway. Uh, so that was the thing. Um, <laughs> I did get to, I did get to fly once. I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, we we had the build party earlier in February. In fact, it was three of them because you did two builduary parties. Yep. And then we had the actual build party. So I was able to start on and then later uh, mostly finish the Master Series Corsair for um, 
nice plane. Yeah, you know, for that. Yeah, it's it really Master Series just took me a lot longer than I thought it would, which seems to be the case for any plane that's not the Fogey. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, I get the first night of the build party. Say I got the top of the wing done, so I got the the balsa spar and the, the foam mounted to, it and got the top of the wing done, the curling and all that. And uh, then for the second build party, I got the the rest of the wing done and kind of started on the fuselage, and then some spare time, uh, you know, finish knocking out the fuselage and got it all glued up together, and then. This last weekend at my father-in-law's house, uh, my wife and I had gone out of town to visit them. Uh, I got the wing, all the electronics mounted in there and the wing glued up to the fuselage and largely had it ready to fly, but I ran, ran into a problem that I don't know if it's where I poked the control wires through the, I don't want to say the firewall, but through the fuselage formers, because at one point it's four formers thick uh, as you're gluing two sections of the fuselage together. And so you have oh, to wow. kind of punch a, punch a hole through that with a barbecue skewer. And so I don't know if that's where it's binding or if it's actually binding further back in the coffee stir or the, uh, yeah, the coffee stir that's guiding it through the side of the fuselage and through one of the rear formers. But mm-hmm. that rudder is not steering or is not reacting properly. So I'll give it rudder control and it'll it'll go but it doesn't like if it's if the servo is trying to push the rudder it doesn't push as far as it should and it's real weak and if it's pulling then it'll pull it but it doesn't return to center if it pushes the rudder then it you know doesn't return to the same center mark and i pulled the bottom off at and of course the wing's already glued in uh so it's hard to get to but i look in there and i see the the music wire that's serving as a control wire to push rod just really flexing in there Anytime the servo mm. was trying to push. Um, so it was binding. And I tried to shoot some WD-40 down the coffee stir. Uh, my father-in-law had some uh, WD-40 out in the shed. Unfortunately, he didn't have any graphite. I was He had mentioned graphite. I was like, man, that'd be awesome. Uh, but he didn't have any. So we had I was shooting WD-40 down in there to try to uh, loosen that up or, or you know, mm-hmm. lubricate that so it wasn't binding so bad. And... WD-40, even though they, they got the little straw that it shoots out of, the way it foams and all, <laughs> I mean, that's the same size straw as what you're basically guiding that wire through. So I couldn't really get it in there. And then you got the the oily the oily WD-40 just pouring down the side of your fuselage. So I don't know how much actually got in or didn't. And now, you know, I got this oil stain on the side of the fuselage. And uh, so it's binding. I got to do some work on that. But I got pretty much everything else uh finished up with it and was going to maiden it uh but also that weekend i was helping him repair his simple cub that he had uh we he crashed you know months of, oh shoot it's been almost a year mm-hmm. ago the last time we we talked about that um oh wow he had accidentally pulled accidentally zeroed the throttle thinking he was pulling back on the the aileron got his controls flipped and killed a throttle and had no power and it just fell out of the sky and went straight into the fence and boogered the nose up. So we were doing some repair work on that and I was kind of showing him how, you know, just some, I don't even want to say showing him like some techniques, just we were figuring out yeah. and we ended up doing something of a three-sided box. 
uh, that w- was going to go over the nose section of the plane mm-hmm. to reinforce externally uh, those sections of fuselage that had been ripped out. And then we got the motor pod put back in, which on impact, the firewall had pushed back on the foam. So the motor was actually angled up a bit, which I knew was going to throw (laughs) off the thrust angle. And I was like, okay, so long as we take that into account when we're flying, it'll be okay. Um, And there was, there was some excess slop in there uh, that I was thought I was okay with. Um, And, I guess I'm all out of order here. Rewinding, I started with the buddy boxing. I uh, got a new t- oh, yeah. T- yeah, the Radio Master TX16. So I was trying to buddy box with his transmitter to his to mine uh, transmitter to his receiver. Couldn't get his uh, transmitter to buddy box with mine. It would bind, but wasn't doing anything. So I ended up having I was going to have him fly on my transmitter. Got those working, got it communicating, so we went out to fly. I know that's kind of speeding through a lot of stuff there, but we went out to fly and launched it into the air in a mixture of the wind and then just a lot of slop that was in the in the plane as it was. Uh, I was fighting it like crazy, trying to keep it in the air. Um, yeah. Anytime give it throttle, of course, I wanted to nose up, which I expected because the motor was kind of yeah. tilted back, but... Constantly having a left rudder, right rudder, elevator up, elevator down, just, and I told him, I said, I could hand it to you. Go ahead, Chris. Sorry, yeah, no, it's just a three-channel plane? There's no ailerons? Yes. Okay. It has ailerons that, way back I talked about it, it has ailerons. I had originally set it up as a four-channel, but... You took out the I controls. I made on some that, mistakes so in that part of the building process as well. That the ailerons were not flush with the plane, and it ended up being more a problem. And so, in the repair process, we talked about it, and he just took the ailerons out of the mix. So the servos are still there, holding the ailerons in place, but they're not hooked up to the the transmitter or sorry, the receiver. We're flying it as a three channel. Interesting. Um, but yeah, so I, just trying to. Go ahead, with my cub, uh, I was going to say, I was noticing that with the cubs, they tend to be very, uh, I'll call it nose up when you give them throttle. I mean, they really, the faster they go, they, they have a lot of lift to give. And mm-hmm. that's that's pretty typical of it in general. Like a lot of people will even <clears throat> even put just a little bit of elevator in it, like as as well as uh, coordinating the turns. So that way when you, when you bank and come around, you give a little bit of rudder. Otherwise, it starts to tip stall. Like, that's just the nature of Cubs. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, you said that there was a lot of, I guess, from the damage from the first crash, there was a lot more slop in in the skewers and stuff, and the holes were a little bit bigger than they needed to be. There was. And this is a story of thinking that it was only, I only had a little bit of time left to build, to finish out what I had to do on the Corsair. And then I was going to be able to go out fly with him. But Mm -hmm. the truth of the story is I spent a lot of the day trying to finish up my Corsair. And then we did some quick repair work on his plane to then go out and fly. So we got out there and got to flying and I never did hand, like I never kicked in uh, the trainer or the student uh, transmitter because it was flying so poorly that if I handed it to him, I knew it would immediately 
roll nose down, nose up, and flip at something. It was going to be in the ground. Um, and I kind of talked yeah. to him as we were as I was flying. I said, "I, I want to hand it to you, but if I do, it's immediately going to crash." Um, and I kind of brought it in for a couple rough landings, and we made some adjustments. Um, and then when we were done, which actually ended in a crash, um, where I was trying to bring it in for a landing, and it just decided it was going to do its own thing and completely went out of control. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> we we looked at it and there's there's things that I'm looking at it now thinking back to when I built it uh, or when we built it that I'm thinking just why did I think this was okay to do like uh that <laughs> that V Victor bin that I like to put in those wires oh, to uh, kind of yeah. take up excess because that, in the FT videos in the beginning that's what how they did they their little slop take up is they would make a, a V bin yeah, well, mine are mine are big enough because I leave ex. I end up leaving enough slop to do that kind of thing. Mine are big enough that that's actually a weak point in the push rod. So, oh, okay. it that V will compress more oh, than okay, it, wow. really more than it should. So you you end up losing pushing power. But then when there's force on that control surface and you're trying to pull it, it'll, you know to go flex. the other way is going to stretch out that v so you really don't get the, mm-hmm. the strength of the control that you need uh for that plus slop in the motor pod and the thrust angle being off um it it just wound up being there was too much slop in it um and after yeah. after that crash and you know the sun was going down i've been fighting some wind like he looked at me and said well do you want you know we need to fly your plane and i said honestly i've lost the nerve like I, I can't maiden the Corsair right now. I don't I don't have it in me. So another another time that I left my father in law's place feeling like Dag nabbit. Um but I've promised him that he's gonna end up coming down because he they want to give some benches uh that have been around their place for a while. They want to give those t- to my wife so she can put them on the front porch and the back pad. So when they come down, I told him, I said, I promise I will have at least one plane ready to fly buddy boxes figured out we're going to fly and you're going to be able to fly and he's going to do some more repair work we talked about things that he can do to pull a lot of the slop out i left him those uh plastic washers that you 3d printed for me okay i left him i left him a small pile of those to kind of reinforce some areas um those those should help a lot those are washers for the barbecue skewers yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you nice. ever use those? Uh, yeah, actually, I use the uh, the little prop adapters, those little adapters that go for, like, different shafts. You get them with your props. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I use that. I embed those into the foam and then uh, use that for my reinforcement. Works out really well. That works, too. Right. And, and even some of the ones that aren't the right size, they still have a little bit of slot, but they're still yeah, really you get, pretty tight. A lot of times, you'll get, like, different size barbecue skewers. You go to $1 store, they have barbecue skewers, but they're, like, a different mm. diameter. Some are thicker, some are thinner. They got, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got this back going I usually right here. only end up using like one or two sizes of proper adapters, and then I'll have all these other spares that happen to fit the skewers, right? So, yeah, they're free. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good use. That's yeah. a good use. Yeah, exactly, right? And they're already ready. They're ready to go. <laughs> just got to put them in. So, nice. Good idea. Yeah. So it ended up just being 
a bad a bad outing but i told well it was good we got to spend some time together but uh i couldn't get him flying so i told him yeah i and i didn't take the fogey even though i had the fogey with me i said well we'll have his cub we'll have my corsair that's enough to fly um so i'll probably take him with a fogey which i did finally cut the top off of and mount a simple soar wing to nice I just haven't flown it yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's okay. it's been a a weird several weeks, but it actually this break was uh, nicely timed because there's some stuff going on. I, I won't get too deep into it because you know folks don't want to hear about this one. But there's some stuff going on with work that's taking up a lot of time in the evenings, and it's just yeah. been it was well timed this break. Um, yeah, that way you could focus on it and not feel like you got other things to do. Yeah, we kind of said we're going to take this break, and then it's just like the the universe decided, okay, now's the time, and so <laughs> that's how that that's how that uh, went. Um, yeah, but yeah, looking forward to uh, eventually maidening that that corsair and actually getting mm-hmm. my father in law in the air right. Um, Good, Matthew, what have you been flying? Um, I've been flying at least four planes because that was the challenge for Bilgeray. Um, I've been building, you know, four planes in one month, four weeks, four planes. And of course, right before Bilderary, I was using the Edward RC, uh, time saver thing. And I ended up cutting out a FT duster, right? So before that even started, I had like halfway built an FT duster and I had to finish it. So I've got that finished, but I didn't maiden it because there's only been so many days. I'm like, dude, I need to get these Bilderary planes up in the air, you know, like they, I got to test them. So, um, so I, I did that. So my builderary started out, I had a lot of great ideas and uh, most of them didn't pan out, but, um, I was talking to, um, Chris here. Um, and we were just chatting about a bunch of different things. Like we usually do when we get on, on the, the forum here. Um, yeah, it's usually, the, it's uh, usually dumb podcast. stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's always dumb stuff. It's fantastic. We start throwing a bunch of weird ideas like, Hey, check out this crazy plane or wouldn't it be cool to do this? And eventually, uh, thought, oh, Matt, Matt, you need to make use this paper stuff, this paper modeling thing, and make a make a flying car. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And they're like, yeah, you'll never do it. And I'm like, oh yeah, well, okay. <laughs> so I decided to take on uh, building a flying car, and specifically making the Taylor Aero car. I'd seen Fiddler's Green version of it, and I was like, that thing looks awesome. And I'm like, well, if if the paper model comes together, okay. The foam board should come together. I mean, it'll probably require some trimming and things like that. But you know what? That's probably a good way to get an idea. So I, I put it in the CAD. I, I drew it out and I sized it so that it would run on a five-inch prop because I had a FT F-pack. And so I sized it up and I did it. And I set up the wing to be, I think, uh, one sheet. I could make the entire wing. It's full width. Um trying to remember how I set that up. But anyway, point is, is it's a total of 48 inches wide. Um, and it's basically one sheet is dedicated to wings. And the other one is dedicated to the tail. The the cone section is the tail. Um, and then the front is, de- you know, the third sheet is dedicated to basically the car and the little, what, what are those, the struts, I guess? And the little wheel hubs and the, the wheels and all that little stuff. Um, Can I just interject course, for a second? Because I've I saw as you were going through that building process, and 
I find it impressive your ability to visualize the shapes that you need and then to cut that foam and shape it and round it and curve it and, and it all fit up like okay to, this if is, i were to sit is, down with foam and try to do that <laughs> just well with, this is where um fiddler's green did a lot of that that initial oh, okay okay so they had a general plan now i probably would have done it um like the two sides and had them kind of maybe bend in a little bit on the top and bottom, which I think is ultimately what I'm going to do in the final version of this because kind of molding them together didn't come as cleanly, come together as cleanly as I hoped. And then it turns out all the cool uh, molding work was in the canopy uh, or whatever, the, the coop part in the back as it all kind of comes together like the back of a flea. Right. And uh, you end up actually cutting most of that off to put the wing on. So I was like, oh, shoot. All right, well. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> so, like, it did oh, look really good, though. I, I really liked how it looked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It came to, again. It came together perfectly. I was like, "Oh, this is beautiful." And then I realized what I have to cut off. I'm like, "Well, I don't know what the point of that was." <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, I, I could I could do it two ways, right? I could rebuild it and have basically a box inside the car, and the wings slip over, like over the outside of the car. And there's a spar that slips into that box and then we kind of link it in and then it, it works solid because it has struts and stuff um, that I, I didn't put in. I didn't need to put in on this model because it doesn't need it, but the final version should have it, right? Um, anyway, the, the cool part about the process was one, using using that the paper models as the basis was pretty neat. Um, and then put, putting it together and realizing when you put a motor at the very tail end of a boom, you really need to make sure that the thrust angle is dead right. Because uh, I think the initial first go was slightly off. Like it wasn't like in line with the front of the vehicle. It was slightly, I think um, the firewall was, I think normally when you put an F-pack in, it's set at like two or three degrees, right? Right. So when I put that on the back of the plane, it's two to three degrees off and it's not in line. So I had to actually shift it over. And anyway, there's a couple things I'm really impressed with. One, it, it's got a huge wing area. Uh, so it has a ton of lift because I was worried. I, I realized, and then I realized by putting the motor way at the back, I had to put a lot of weight in the front. And then I'm sitting there thinking, this is a lot of weight for the car. I don't, I don't think I was going to be able to get it off the ground. You know, especially pushing with like a five inch prop on a you know, 2205, 2300 kV motor and like a standard quadcopter motor. I'm like, oh, I'm never going to get enough thrust to get this thing in the air. <laughs> but it turns out uh, after kind of straightening a couple things out, making sure that the wheels were all going right and the thrust angle was correct. Uh, I got enough speed and off it went. You know, I thought the first flight it was going like basically heading towards the fence that nefarious fence at the end of the, the parking lot. Uh, uh -huh. I managed to, like, come on, baby, uh, pulled it up. And what I realized was that I needed full up elevator for pretty much regular flight. I think I had, like, a little bit of room to be able to pull a little extra up. And then the rest was all nose down, you know. So uh, when I came back down, I adjusted the things, and I went and sent it back up in the air, and I got it to fly pretty well. I don't think I got it to the point where I could do hands-off, you know, which is what I ultimately want. But I got it so I could really fly it around and have a good time with it and land it 
um, and have a, you know, it was awesome. It was just neat to take it from beginning concept from what we had talked about, Chris. Um, and if you want to see what this thing looks like, uh, go to, was it planes? I think in, in the planes movie, they have one of these aero cars. Yeah, um, no, well. I was it's actually, like, I've, is... I've seen some pictures If you Google some, some pictures and I searched it up. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I think I sent you with the original picture of like, Hey, this is what you need to build. Didn't I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. And I'm like, Oh, hmm, I never, Oh, look at that. And I know I had seen, it. I'm like, I've seen it somewhere. And I saw, we, we ended up watching planes or something with the kids. And I was like, Hey, that's that car that we were talking about. And then I kind of got my, my, you know, thought process rolling back around to it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. Um, so anyway, it turned out it worked and it looks great. Um, there's a couple of things I'm going to need to tweak and do a version two of, which when I get that done, I will release some plans for it because this was a lot of fun. And I think I can see other people kind of enjoying it too. So, and that was uh, one of your Bilderberry planes, wasn't it? It was a Bilderberry plane. So I had only a month to basically come up with the idea, develop plans, cut it out, build it, tweak it, adjust it and fly it. Uh, I think I allowed myself an extra week, but I didn't need it. I think I did it in three weeks. Yeah, uh, so there's a lot to go. And then I also made it um, uh, historically accurate. Uh, as part of the build, I, I pulled out some of the history. And it, it turns out there's only six of those things made. And one of them was basically uh, the Operation Air Watch for a radio station. So it was the traffic car. So the traffic plane that would like report on all the traffic that's going around the city oh, was no one way. of these flying cars. So it has all this livery of the KISN, uh, Operation Air Watch. It's got all over the thing. It's red and white. And it's a lot of fun. So, oh, yeah. And then, of course, I printed out those car eyes, you know, and I put them on the windshield because you got you kind of have to. Yeah. You, you got it. I mean, what's a, why wouldn't you? <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, and then the next, uh, I, I kind of, I'll call it, I, I dialed in one of the builds. Uh, as part of February um, with the Scouts, I do... A stem night and as part of that i cut out like 13 or 20 planes and i do a one sheet you know chuck glider like a tiny trainer and so i you know cut out a bunch and i had a couple extra so as part of that build i built one of those planes uh and then i just filmed flying it you know chucking that across the gym and stuff so that was kind of one of my builds and admittedly kind of cop out i was hoping not to have to use that one but time was starting to run short and i'm like all right well technically i built the chuck glider and, and then as number two, I pulled out a single sheet build that I had designed a while back that was based on the Trek Weasel, which is a slope glider plane that basically, you know, maybe I think the original was somewhere around 50 or 60 inches. And it's this kind of delta wing looking deal, almost like a planker, where all it has is a vertical stabilizer and aileron or uh, elevators. Elevon. Uh, elevons? Elevons. Elevons. Um, and then that's it. You just put a little bit of weight in the nose and chuck it and watch it float around. And of course, all the all the promotional videos for it are these people standing on the precipice of a of a mountain cliff and just kind of launch it out and just you know, have a fly around like it's nothing, you know. Um, so is it more of a soar then? Is it is is it supposed to be catching updraft? It's a, it's supposed to be yeah. It's supposed to be a, sl a slope soar, but I don't have any slopes near me. You know, that I can like kind of throw it off of a cliff and hope it works. Except yeah, I guess I, I can travel <laughs> five hours out to Kitty Hawk. Stand on the roof of your house. I can fly it out near the beach. No, dude, there's not. No, there's there's so much turbulence in the at the roof line of my house. And 
ask me how I know. I can't tell you how many planes I've tried to made up in my house. And it's like, this is terrible. Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling you're no stranger to that. (laughs) No, not at all. Um, anyway, so I built that and that was a really simple, easy build. Uh, it involved one of the techniques we're going to probably talk a little bit about, which is ironing. So I ironed the trailing edge so that it came down to a point so that could be as aerodynamic as possible. I used the uh, removing the paper on the inside of the top of the wing so that it was nice and curved. Um, and, you know, the fuse is more like a a boxy football is kind of what we'll call it the fuse, as it were. I like a teardrop shape, but more kind of squared out corners. Um, so I built those two. And then the, for the last one, uh, I had a 50 millimeter. I'd ordered a 50 millimeter EDF to build the uh, Griff Flyers L39. But then he dropped like the F22 that is just downright beautiful. Mm, and then, is. of course, you know, you, you watch him fly it and it's like, oh, my gosh, everybody at the field flies like the professional. I think it's like, I don't know if it's E-Flight or... One of those guys just recently dropped a kit like last year and everybody who's bought one is doing crazy like high alpha maneuvers and then shooting for the sky and doing barrel rolls and loops and flips and all this stuff. And then they come in and they bring it down, almost sit it on the tail and watch it like kind of land like as a quiet belly flop. You know what I mean? They're like, what the heck? And they're like, dude, I love the way this thing flies. So everybody loves it, right? <clears throat> and Griff's flying it like he's flying it the same way. He's like, yeah, it pretty much flies the same way. It's awesome. Uh, you really can't go wrong with this plane. I'm like, all right, okay, you convince me. I'm gonna challenge accepted. Right, yeah, I exactly. Gotta, I, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta build one too, man. It's uh, it's definitely on the list. Uh, I gotta get me an EDF. Dude. That would be like my first EDF I would do too. Nice. Uh, get the one that he recommends because I've got a couple different ones, and I, um, so far they've been they're they're really pretty good. But the one he uses. It seems to have a little extra kick. Like it's got a little extra thrust. And I think in some of the builds, like the L39, I think I used a 50 millimeter. Maybe some of it, it didn't have a little bit as much thrust. And like the one he has has more. And I think if I put this EDF in the L39 that I built of his, it probably would have flown really well. It just, mine was just a hair lethargic when I release it, just would never quite get off the ground, you know? But with this, uh, with this F-22, dude, uh, it, so it's really complex. Like there's a lot of individual parts. It's done kind of like um, uh, with a series of formers that kind of all line up and they kind of sandwich in between two of the wing halves. And then you skin the top and you skin the bottom. And they are like, it's crazy. And of course, I'm using a projector system with a foot, like it's fuzzy on the wall and I'm using a pencil freehand and I'm trying to get these lines all straight. So I'm like, ah, oh, come on, baby. I hope it works. I build it. The thing has a slight twist from front to back. So there's like maybe a four degree twist from the back plane to the nose plane. You know, there's a okay. slight okay, yep. to the to the body, right? And I'm sitting there going, oh, I hope that doesn't ruin it. I'll tell you what, I let it go. And I don't, I don't know why I never think EDS, I got to bust the throttle out all the way to full and huck it. Because they they take a while to kind of get enough air move in and get some thrust going, and so I I you know put it up to the normal seventy five or eighty percent throttle and gave it a, a decent throw you know and it, the plane just goes and it starts to glide down to the ground I'm like oh no <laughs> take it up to full and it like it hits the ground effect kind of hovers there for a minute or two like as it slides along the ground and then it finally gets enough speed and starts taking off I was like oh this is awesome and of course it's 
you know, it's making this nice whoosh noise as it zooms past. I'm like, oh, look at that, you know. But what I failed to realize, I don't know why, because all it is is two control surfaces. So it's Elevon set up at the rear of the plane. Um, <clears throat> there's no rudders. So as I'm doing a steep turn, it's coming around the corner, right? It's sinking to the ground. <laughs> and so I'm like the second come back around, uh, maybe the third one, I start losing altitude and I can't like turn it back on its belly and gain more altitude fast enough. And I was like, oh, shoot. So it kind of, it disconnected a couple of wires, no real damage. So I'll, I'll bring it out again when it stops raining. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, but it flew, uh, it flew great. And it was a lot of fun to hear the whooshy noise that a good, a good jet makes. And that is no exception. So, um, <clears throat> so that those were, uh, I didn't get a chance to fly the duster, which was done, but I did cut out a bunch of planes some for the kids, I, I cut out the Bravo and the Charlie and the Sparrow um, before the needle broke. And I need to go make another needle and put it back in. I think I need to print out a couple parts in different materials, um, maybe ABS or something that's a little bit more temperature resistant because <clears throat> uh, the PLA kind of just starts to melt with, you know, after a good amount of movement. So it starts to just, yeah, I need a different material in it to, for the spinners. <clears throat> but okay. it, it print, otherwise prints out pretty good. But that was it. I mean, that, that was a busy month <clears throat> and a busy time off for sure. Uh, there was uh, certainly no break for me, but at the same point, it was a lot of fun. I imagine that uh, time saver uh, needle cutter thing that you got going on was really helpful doing the uh, STEM program with the scouts, eh? No, man. Uh, no, I don't. <clears throat> I don't use that. <laughs> I actually, you know what's even better? is you take a scroll saw and sandwich eight boards together and you cut it out that way. Oh, okay. And what you're I doing see. is cutting eight patterns at once and in, in one hour. So it takes about like an hour per sheet that you're cutting. So in about two hours is I had, you know, all 16 or 17 or whatever it is I had to make. Right, right. Okay. Now I remember. So, yeah, you did. You showed a picture. You posted there was just buckets of parts. <laughs> yeah, a bucket of fuselages, <laughs> a bucket of wings. I do remember that now. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah, just call me Mr. KFC, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. Yeah, and and that's what I realized. I thought about it. I'm like, well, if it was a really complex build like the like Griffiers F22, I'd probably use the the ERC time saver or something like that, where there's a lot of little intricate cuts. But like, uh, you know, on the tiny trainer, tiny trainer is really pretty basic. There's only a handful of parts. They're pretty straightforward. They're pretty easy to cut. Um, using a scroll saw makes it go quick. So uh, that's what I've, I found works the best for that situation. So if you're ever building a, you need to build like 20 or 30 of them, that's probably the best way to handle it. Sandwich about eight or nine of them and run them through your either bandsaw or your scroll saw or something like that. Now, how clean of an edge do you get going through that bandsaw? About as clean as you get with the ER Time Saver. Uh, it's pretty clean. Uh, you could probably take a small sanding block and smooth it out a little bit better. Um, and I've done right. that when it gets really kind of hairy. I'll, I'll run it across my sander for about like three seconds, just like a quick shoot, and and it's ready. And it's a lot it's a lot smoother. Um, and, you know, it's only foam, so a 60-grit a sandpaper will eat through that stuff. Like it's, yeah, it will. <laughs> <laughs> like it's standing still. Um, yeah, so anyway. Uh, yeah, so that's, thanks. Uh, that's, that's what I did. I just, I used the van saw or the scroll saw. Worked out great. 
I guess that ends our fly stories. Uh, so that brings us, uh, let's, let's talk about the build nights. Uh, that's one of the things we did when we weren't recording podcasts, but we did continue to have build nights as it was build -ary. Um, I hosted two different weekends that I uh, hosted build night, uh, for the people who were part of that group and anybody else who really wanted to join. Uh, so we had mm -hmm. a handful of people come out for that. And I want to thank you guys all who came out. It was a lot of great conversation. And it was really neat to see everybody's builds firsthand, you know, and uh, comments and questions that people had as we were doing it. Um, I know, Chris, you've been part of some of the other past build nights, and uh, it's always a, a welcome uh, to have you join us. Yeah, they're a lot of fun. Uh, and then we also had for the podcast, we had our February build night, right? And we There were relatively smaller build groups, but it was actually really nice to have that. And that's one of the things I know sometimes... When you get with just a couple people, you really just have a good time chatting about all sorts of stuff in the hobby. I know it's neat to have a bunch of people on, but when you get a couple people, you can really kind of get in deep. Yeah, both you know? both size you know categories, as it were, have have their advantages. And yeah, I was able to make the the actual build night, and then I came to one of your builduary build uh, build sessions, and both were enjoyable. Mm -hmm. In fact, that's where the majority of the Corsair building got done. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and that, uh, the, the one at the end of the month was a lot smaller. And I think, yeah, it's funny because Buildwary starts out with everybody really energetic and excited, and they've all got their builds planned out and they're, they're ready to cut. And by the end of the month, everybody's like either exhausted or they're done or they're like, oh, I don't even want to, <laughs> you know, like, I, I'm out. I can't finish this up, you know. <laughs> right. Or they're like me and building frantically. Like, oh my gosh, I only have one more day, a couple more days to do this. <laughs> I'm going to finish this up, you know. Um, yeah, so I want to thank everybody for coming out and joining me. Um, that was uh, a lot of fun to to sit down almost every almost every weekend and just have one night that I can look forward to getting together with everybody. So it's nice. Mm -hmm. uh, so that brings us to uh, to our guest, Chris, Chris McCallum. He's also known as Battleaxe on the FT forums. If you've seen him there, if you've seen his posts, he was uh, very active uh what about a year ago when you got into this you were like mr gung-ho right yeah i kind of wanted to learn as much as possible out of it it was uh i'm i, I don't really fly with many people at all so i'm just starting out i was kind of teaching myself and crashing a lot so i needed yeah. i needed some advice right so i got onto the forums pretty early it was uh it was it was yeah. really helpful um you know i'm a bash and crash yeah. kind of guy anyway so uh you know kind of <laughs> Kind of learning by experience and learning by other people's mistakes so I can go out there, make them myself, and then, okay, now I know what he's talking about kind of idea, right? So. <laughs> oh, my God. That's, that's done right. Yeah. yeah nice. Yeah, oh, yeah. So how about this? Give, give us a 10 – give our listeners a 10-second intro to who Chris McCallum is. Uh, man, I'm uh, I'm 45 years old. Um, I kind of wanted to get into the hobby. I've always been in uh, into aviation at, uh, you know – from a young age kind of thing. My grandfather used to fly with him. I got, uh, I got over 2000 hours of actual like full scale flight time kind of idea. So that's kind of what, uh, Oh man. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's kind of where it's all coming from. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the, uh, the RC aviation thing is uh, kind of a natural fit. Oh, nice. Good. Well, let's, let's get into some of those, uh, some more detail about that kind of stuff. Uh, so how long have you been in the hobby? Uh, as of now, I would say about a year and eight months. So yeah, what's that? Twenty months so far, kind of idea. Yeah. No, actually, twenty-two months. Twenty-two. Kind of, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of aging it like it's a baby or something like that. It's twenty-two months old. <laughs> uh, look, if you start telling me how many weeks you've been into it, I'm out. 
Yeah, yeah. How many minutes? <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. So, so a little over almost two years, um, and uh, that's awesome. I know. In it's like the two year mark is when it seems like a lot of people, especially like going by the forums, a lot of people kind of get their uh, get their feet in the ground and and really start having solid success, uh, which is awesome. Um, yeah, on, and I know really... looking at what you've done, you, you accomplished that a year ago and now you're just screwing around with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> I guess so. Eh? Well, what got you started, right? You talked a little bit about your, your, was it your uncle? Uh, grandfather, actually my grandfather, he, uh, he flew, um, C one thirties, um, in the uh, military, in the Canadian military here. So he was, uh, he was always a pilot getting out of that after his retirement from the military. He started doing charter flighting, that kind of stuff, uh, flying around actually, uh, NHL hockey teams, the Edmonton Oilers, he chartered them all over Western Canada, that kind of thing. So. Oh, was, nice. Uh, oh, did you yeah. get to meet a bunch of them? And well, that's the thing. And I, I would go out there summertime between like grades and in, in school, mostly elementary school kind of thing. I would go out and visit them. They lived actually out in, um, Charter Lake. It's in Northern British Columbia obviously in Canada mm -hmm. kind of idea. They also had a yacht down in Vancouver. So um, I would stay there with him as well. And then to get there, he would, he would pick me up in an airplane and I would sit in the cockpit as, as a kid, you're a six year old child, right? That's, 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 yeah. that's a pretty big impression. And he's, I've done that with him. Like I'd spend two months out of the summer out of my grandparents' place and just, you know, three, four times a week, I go to work with him and we just fly all over Western Canada, you know, do a oh, round wow. trip in a day. Right. So it was, uh, it's just leaves such a huge impression on you, right? And plus where he's coming from, like I said, uh, you know, flying the C-130s in the military, that kind of thing. He was in mm -hmm. World War II. So, yeah, right. no, there's a, there's a lot of respect there for my grandfather and what he does and what he did. And, you know, so, it, it, like I said, it just left a big impression. That's kind of where it started. That's really cool. So, is, is the C-130, say, your favorite plane or do you have a different one you'd call your favorite full-size? Uh, man, the favorite full size, really, when it comes down to it, the C-130, okay, yeah, I mean, it's 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 an iconic plane on its own, but uh, really, um, the plane that has really done it for me would be, uh, and, and it's very Canadian, this is going to be very red and white, man, it's um, the, uh, <laughs> the de Havilland Beaver, um, the, uh, the the Bush plane, I've I actually got some flight time uh, in the full size Beaver, de Havilland Beavers, on floats, going on like fishing trips, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff, and uh yeah, I mean, you fly in one of those, man. It's it's just it's game over, right? It's like you're hooked. That's it, right? So, it, is that because uh, I'll call it lake runways tend to be more abundant than regular runways? Yeah, that's actually why I kind of we, 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 what I was talking about on the whole fishing trip thing. I actually, uh, me and a buddy spent uh, three days out at his um, his dad's cabin, and it was like the, the cabin itself, like to get to it, it was pretty remote to begin with, but uh, his neighbor directly next to him i think just just to the south side of him on the uh, lake shore he had a de Havilland beaver and we're just fishing off the dock on our on on his dad's property fishing off the dock and i'm staring at this de Havilland, right and it's 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 all tied down undercover and all that kind of stuff and wow man this is a, you know you're casting you're looking at the plane and just you know maybe you'll catch a fish kind of thing you don't really care i'm staring at the plane right but uh the guy, the last day of the third, three days, the last day, uh, the guy, the neighbor comes out and he starts uncovering the plane and we're out there fishing on the dock and he's like, hey, you guys are fishing, I'm going fishing, you guys want to come? And <laughs> yeah, of course, right? I mean, you're not, you're not going to, you're not going to refuse an opportunity like that float plane. Right. Where are we going, right? So <laughs> I know, right? where are we going? Yeah, and he's, he's like, uh, well, it's 
we're going up to uh, Rock Lake. It's uh, you can't access it by road or anything. You can only fly in, and it's half covered by ice right now. But there is half the lake that's open to land, so that's where we're going mm. fishing. And it was just amazing, <laughs> man. Like it, unbelievable. Like a forty-five minute flight to get to this lake that's in the middle. And no, you look, you look like you're you're five thousand feet up in elevation, right? Kind of idea. Right. And you're looking across this vast expanse of just Alberta bush, and you see this pearl of a lake just sitting in the middle of it right just shining at you and he just brings it right down right alongside the ice sat there and fished man it, oh, was, wow. it was it was it's epic <laughs> right so i mean that's that's got to be my favorite full size right there you're, oh, wow. you're yeah, making nice. me really jealous right now chris <laughs> yeah same here <laughs> that's awesome i'm i'm really that's that's so cool that must have been an incredible experience did you take a lot of pictures of the plane Man, you don't even, you don't even think of that when you're there. It's, I'm talking like back in like maybe the early 90s, like 90, 91 oh, yeah. kind of. I, there's yeah. no such thing as cell phone. You're you're still on tablet and you scribe and that kind of thing, right? So <laughs> you're hammering out with a chisel. You chiseling it out, right? So yeah, so that is what it is. Welcome to the hobby. So I I guess I never asked you about it, but do you have a pilot's license? Have you? consider getting a pilot's license so you can go fly like that when you want to uh you know what um that was like the first thing that i was looking to do right coming out of high school not even like even having to come out of high school but like looking to get into it even like earlier than that doing like air cadets doing some time in there that kind of thing um i I did apply right out of high school (laughs) i applied for uh all three branches actually of the canadian military Timing, though, in the early 90s, I, I yeah, I graduated in 93. Um, mm-hmm. There was just no money going into the Canadian military. They were shutting bases down all over the place. You pretty much, there was a waiting list. They said they'd keep me on it for six months, but I was competing against, like, you know, scholars, people that have university degrees kind of idea, right? Like doctors. Yeah, degree, right. You know, that kind of stuff. Stiff right? competition. So, yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot of competition there. I mean, obviously, the budget has opened up for the military, and you can go into it now, but I'm 45 and I'm not going to play that game right now at this point, but that was, uh, (laughs) that was, I was, I was taking the whole pilots thing actually pretty seriously back then. And then again, um, I wear glasses, I wear, you know, contact lenses, that kind of stuff. So my eyesight was a problem at that point in time and you don't have laser surgery at that, you know, offered to you at that given point in time. So even to get your private pilot's license, it was, you know, kind of a struggle at that point. So it was, you know, I just kind of gave up on it. So rc flying was the next best thing i know right well bringing it back home then do you have a favorite well i imagine you do but what's your favorite rc plane uh plane that i've flown plane that i want to fly favorite rc plane Uh, that i start with flown yeah start with a plane you flown and then future plane you want to fly well um i I, I think out of out of like to pick a genre it would be warbirds are my favorite um mm-hmm. as far as how they look for a warbird would be the p47 but again the uh the best plane to fly that i've flown so far as warbirds would be the spitfire so okay and that's where i go with that yeah, yeah. and the future plane you want to you want to fly it i want to do more twins i want to do uh like i've done i got a lot of experience with duck and stuff like that but uh let's try to mix that warbird thing in there maybe do the p38 kind of idea the mm-hmm. p61 black widow those kind of planes okay. yeah do some, oh, those are some of my favorites too yeah and the, the nice part about those 
is that they're they're not aerobatic planes. They're not as aerobatic as say the duck could be. So I might be a little nicer to them, considering they have landing gear and you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> have a little bit more respect for them. I don't know. I I I, I busted up the Mustang within about eight flights. So <laughs> you know anything could happen. That's right? more flights than I tend to get. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so what do you like about the twins then? What what makes you uh, lean towards them bef- uh, before a regular one? Uh, you know what? The twins are so stable. There's no torque roll. They're actually really relaxing to fly if you want to just cruise around kind of thing. And they have enough power. Vert, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff is nothing. You know, like I said, aerobatics or nothing. It's just a lot easier to play around with. Um, you don't have to. They feel a lot more stable. I mean, you've actually, you know, recently flown a twin, the Tiger Cat, that kind of thing, right? So. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. It's you just, kinda, it's, I just love flying anything, really. <laughs> no, but it's, yeah. it is. You, you don't have to worry about torque roll. It's it's just simpler in general. Although, I did have, like, one of the engines on the Tiger Cat sort of gum up, and that led to big problems. <laughs> that makes it harder to fly. No, um, no, I can imagine. Yeah, generally, when things are going good, it's uh, it's pretty good. Um, well, so what's your favorite part of the hobby, though? Uh, obviously you are a fan. Um, yeah, I'm, there's I'm a hooked, lot man. of different pieces and parts know. to it. Yeah. It's a good thing we have discussion <laughs> groups over it. Hi, my name is Chris McCallum and I'm an aviationaholic kind of thing. Or is that how it works? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I just like, uh, I just like really, uh, just the whole learning pattern of it. Like there's always something to learn and there's always different genres to explore to it. Right. So even though, mm-hmm. you know, call it almost two years into into the hobby i haven't done fpv yet um i haven't done you know uh gliders that kind of thing um uh mm-hmm. more stuff with like multi-engine you know uh again i haven't done like a twin warbird so that's going to be like next on the list right so there's there's all yeah. that kind of stuff um i also want to do i want to get better footage for my videos so i want to kind of do like the drone side of stuff and get that cinematic you know sort of drone feel to it do you know chase if I could, you know, chase planes, that kind of thing. And, you know, look at, look mm-hmm. at that side of the hobby as well. Right. Really open up those doors as well. Right. So yeah, again, there's always something to learn, something to try. I'm always experimenting. I've, man, I've crashed. So, you know, over a hundred planes, just experimenting with stuff, built some eight times Oof. doing it. Right. So it's, uh, that's what keeps me building, I guess. Maybe I should get a needle cutter. Well, Joe, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't keep all of his planes after the crashes like I do. Because, uh, you know, I can fix them. <laughs> and so he doesn't need a rack of like 50 or some odd planes or whatever. He's just yeah. got a couple of the ready to go, right? When I crash him, I crash him good. I just kind of look at him as like unfixable. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> uh, you know, maybe I should start doing that. Maybe I'll actually whittle down my Man, board. You, if you're going to do it, do it right. It's just foam board, right? Yeah, That's I right, man. It's, it's C- just... Commit to the crash. All right, all right, all right. I'll take that under it, consideration. It pulls in the subscriber for, for for sure, man. You don't you don't go to NASCAR, watch a bunch of cars doing left turns for no reason, do you? You want to see the crashes. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That's true. I, I don't go to hockey game because I want to see them skate well. I want to see them. Fight. <laughs> well, there's there's some scoring and stuff in there, but of course, yeah, there's the whole the whole posturing thing. Mm-hmm. Hockey hockey's big in Canada, right? So. Yeah, that's what I heard. Uh, I grew up in Connecticut, so it's very much the, the land of the ice skates. Nice. So, um, not quite as much as Canada, but it's still there. All right. So let, let's get into, um, so how, I, I know you like to build and you like to fly. How would you rate your uh, piloting skill? 
if like one is a noob and ten is like the top gun winner. My my piloting like, skills? For for skill park. Uh, yeah, man, it depends on the day, it depends on the train. Uh, I'd say I, I'm man, uh I'd I'd be a strong four pushing five maybe maybe no. Maybe a five? No. I don't know. Somewhere around there. It depends on what your range of okay. what what your scope is of like where the light at the end of the tunnel is, I guess. You know <laughs> what I mean? So Well, I, I don't know. One is noob and ten is like uh you're spotlighting uh a show. Like you you're you're I'm, the I'm ten minute uh, show off section. Or, uh, Jace yeah. 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 Sorry, if I screwed that name up, I'd I'm I apologize but uh yeah i know um i'm definitely i'm definitely no top gun um i i guarantee you that there's a lot to learn yet um it, a lot of it comes down to confidence um so pushing my confidence level that kind of thing but a strong four i'd say okay. a strong four okay good uh what about maybe build reevaluate skills? where i lie on that scale <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, I, I know if you're a four then that puts me somewhere else than I thought originally. All right, so what would you say your build skill is? Uh, definitely higher than that. Higher than that. Well, working with foam board, I mean, wow, wow, there's so many different mediums that you could build planes from. Like, I'd like to try hot wire cutting, that kind of stuff at some point in time, right? So there's mm -hmm. there's always that aspect to it as well. And man, building skills, I'll take it on. So I, I'd say, yeah, about a five, six, maybe, whatever. I, I they would, like, okay. like, they all kind of, one, yeah. one leads to the other. Like, I've done balsa build as well, right? So... It was kind of because you already have mm -hmm. experience with the foam board. You you kind of you know it's kind of a natural progression. Uh, speaking about balsa builds, um, what you tried out balsa, and how would you say the two compare? What what was the thing you liked about balsa, and what was the thing you didn't? Because for us, we're we primarily talk about foams because that's our experience so far. Um, and both of us are kind of look. We looked at this coming year. And we both kind of identified that balsa is coming. Yes. And so we'd love to hear what your new experience was with balsa. You know what? Uh, coming from like like I said, building so many planes out of foam board, it was it was a lot of fun. It was it was a lot of fun to learn it and do it the first time, just for the fact that uh, it. Mm -hmm. um, it really opened opened up a lot of like horizons and possibilities with both mediums kind of idea um mm -hmm. it's uh it's a lot of, i i i'm gonna see myself doing a lot more balsa builds this is, is pretty much where it comes down to I, I really like the 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 scale detail of it as opposed to the foam board like you can do a lot of nice you know scale detail with foam board especially if you're doing like airbrushing that kind of thing but uh just um how right. how uh manageable balsa is and if you just like foam board if okay if you break something in the build process man you can probably go down to your hobby store and replace the piece that you broke for, you know, a few bucks on a stick that you're going to, it's probably going to last you a long time. Right. So it's, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of pros to balsa um, for sure. Right. Uh, what, what do you, what process do you like more right now? Uh, I mean, so foam board is like, cut it out, fold it over. You're ready to fly. Mm -hmm. Balsa is put it together and zap glue it. Hopefully you don't glue your hands. Uh, skin it and off you go right that's that's my summary but I, i'm probably way off because my experience as far as as far as building with balsa goes man it's actually uh because it's it it does get repetitive build a wing out of balsa like doing all the ribs and all that kind of like it does get repetitive so you might glue your hands to the first couple ribs but the, you figure it out by the third or fourth right <laughs> so you're 
<laughs> I mean, you, you get you get your system yeah. down, you get it figured out. Like my first balsa build was a biplane. I had two wings to build, so it was you know, okay, this is what I did. This is what I screwed up in the first wing. This is what I'm not going to do on the second wing, and this is how this is going to go, right? So by the time you're in the second one, you you pretty much yeah. got it planned out, right? So yeah, nice, good. All right. Uh, so uh, when you started, what did you think the hobby was going to be like? Uh, I, I definitely, I, when I was younger, I, I kind of looked into getting into the hobby before, and it was kind of back in the day when the hobby was really more inaccessible, I might say. And, mm -hmm. uh, it was, it was more clicky kind of thing. So just the hobbies, the people that okay. were already in the hobby and already spent the money in the hobby, like you're you're looking at the hobby you're looking right. at a guy that's been in it for a while you're looking at he's probably got a plane that he's put you know a couple grand into say so it's a it's a decent size maybe yeah, fifth right. scale cub let's just call it a cub with you know a glow engine on it and he's got this like amazing looking you know space age controller that's you know and he's flying it around man i've been doing this for 20 years and you're looking at the hobby and it, it gets pretty intimidating right so that's kind of mm -hmm. what I thought yeah, I was yeah. getting into, but I knew it was cheaper. This like it was easier. I found the flight test, uh, like model kind of idea, right? So yeah. the foam board just made it so much easier and more accessible to get into budget wise, and uh, yeah. so I knew I was I had that advantage. I still found it that you know it depends on where you went and who you talked to. This is before form, you, you know, being on forums or anything like that. But even going into a hobby store, there was still kind of that sort of clicky attitude and stuff like that that you would get every once in a while, but you're a noob and they probably see a hundred people just like me every day. Right. So you get yourself right, right. past that and you start making friends with these guys a little bit. Then you start getting the quality info and then they start putting you on, Hey man, check out this website or, you know, that kind of thing. Or this is, you know, this is what you give you a little advice, little tips and tricks here and there. You start, you start looking into things, doing the research and you know, you, you start finding out these guys are right and they're doing you a favor, right. Doing you a solid. So then, you know, getting into it, I started, you know, mm -hmm. started really taking off for me at that point in time too. I started getting excited about it and started building my own stuff. And... How, how far into that start was it before you started real kind of getting involved in the community and, and having it being a positive experience? Sounds like it started off being kind of a, uh maybe an exclusive experience where you're like you're on the out and then all of a sudden it comes to a point where they're like okay you're in it kid all right come on let me show you some things yeah how far how far in do you think that oh, was? Man, it was it was it was a probably a couple months struggle it was like because i was in the hobby shop um back in like the april of 2019 um to actually just go pick up some some like uh model rockets to do something with the kids for bonding mm -hmm. time that kind of stuff right and so we picked up some model rockets, you yeah. know, a couple toys here and there. And I'm looking at the armload of toys that the kids have. I can't walk out with nothing, right? Like, I mean, I'm looking at the shelves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so um, I started looking at the, like, the little microplanes, like the uh, Sport Cub S from Hobby Hobby Zone. Is it Hobby Zone? Hobby, yeah, it's Hobby Zone, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I started looking yeah. and I started asking questions about it. And they're like, yeah, okay, this guy's a noob you know, a hundred dollars for the plane here. You need to spend another hundred bucks for the transmitter, the DXE. Uh, here's a few extra batteries. I ended up mm -hmm. spending, yeah, again, like another $250 on top of the, getting the model rockets and everything like that. And we're all walking out with our <laughs> presents, right? So it was, it was a good day. It was a yeah, quality yeah. experience <laughs> and plus firing off the model rockets. So the sport cub S it's got the AS3X pretty much flies itself. And I, I got into it pretty easily. 
watched a couple videos on YouTube. You start doing some research. You figure out how to trim your plane after about, you know, half a dozen crashes, that kind of stuff. <laughs> you, you start learning how to fix it really quickly. Yeah. That kind of, so you, you get involved, right? And it's, it's a progression there. So after you start going through the trials and tribulations of actually doing it, not just talking about it, I think that's when, like two months in, I think that's when I started getting some, you know, some street cred with the with the hobby stores, I think. And then also, uh, it was that the, around the same point in time, I started getting involved with the FT forums because I needed help. I was crashing stuff all over the place, right? I, I, I But between between that yeah. Sport Cub S and the time I was got onto the forums, I probably built, I don't know, half a dozen planes that I'd seen and downloaded plans from, from uh, the FT website, their channel kind of idea. So okay, getting, right, getting yeah. the plans from their website before I actually even dived into the actual community, the forums, right? So, yeah, and then once I started getting a couple months in, crashed about half a dozen planes, got sick of doing all the crashing, not knowing why, the forums were like the next, next uh, you know, step to go into, right? So it was, um, it was at that yeah. point in time, I was almost desperate. I was like, if this doesn't work for me, like I'm giving up the hobby. Like this is starting to get frustrating. I, I my building <laughs> skills are amazing because I built six of these and my pilot skills aren't keeping up. I'm only, you know, I only got half the hobby going here, right? So, so what, what was your first, uh, I guess, what was your first FT plane that you built? And which is the one that you had success with? Oh, it sounds like they're different. One. What was the first one that I built? A lot of people like building the DR1 to begin with, but I built, uh, there was there was one before this one, but this is what I remember. I, I, it could have been the Mini Scout that was the first one and I, I had failed with it, just probably a CG issue or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I can't say for sure, but mm -hmm. I know there was an SE5 in there somewhere that was just, yeah, oh, okay, was, yeah. That, that was just a miserable fail as well. So um, the first one that I actually did <laughs> um, get up for a full battery pack would be, would be in the second second build of the of the uh of the mini scout three channel ret it was uh yeah okay that was that was the one i actually have a video of it you'll see how happy it was there was a you couldn't slap the grin off my face i was so happy i got a battery pack <laughs> no crashing yeah I, I think we we each have that first flight story where we're like it's working yeah. so anybody asks you you know if you know <laughs> nice. what would be a good first plane for me there's a lot of people that have differing opinions you know when they're on the flight test forums I'm totally, mm -hmm. you know, supporting the whole mini scope because that was my experience. I did try the try tiny trainer. There's yeah. a lot of people that love that tiny trainer. It just did mm -hmm. not work out for me. And I built two of them. There was the stock and then there was mm -hmm. a customized one where people were saying, well, you got to move your servos and, right. you know, you change your wing incidents, that kind of stuff. And, you know, that kind of thing. So I sure. played around with that, but uh, it didn't work out for me either. So it was, the, it was, the, it's the mini scout that's, that's got it for sure. Mm -hmm. Nice. It's a, it's a good, good plane. plane. It's a solid plane. Well, switching gears a little bit, um, you're you live up in Canada, and so you get far more snow than we get. And I I imagine you do have your your uh, dry no snow season. So how does as we don't get a ton of snow down here? How does snow, uh, you know, having snow and then not having snow, snow, like how does that impact your flying season and maybe how you fly? Uh, actually, um, in my first winter season, um, because I live out in the country here, there's a lot of farmland around. So having snow on the ground gave me unlimited access to runway space. So I started using a lot more, like more of the snow style landing gear floats, floats are big. 
Um, they're, they're, they're nice and buoyant on top of snow and they take a beating. So that's, that's perfect. Keeps the plane nice and draggy too. So it slows it down. Um, floats really work out that way really well. So that's, that's one way I, I've played around with skis. Um, I find those to be really catchy on the edge. So if you're not sticking your landings nice and straight, you're, you're coming in a little crab wise or, you know, kind of off angle, not, not exactly horizontal to, you know, the plane of the ground kind of idea, then you're going to catch an edge. You're going to, you know, roll over. But I found floats to be really successful on snow. Okay. Well, speaking of floats, because I do want to, like Matthew and I talked before, I do want to build the sea duck and have it so that I can do, uh, say, water takeoff and water landing. And I know water is going to be different than snow, but how precise maybe do you have to be with those landings or can you come in and maybe, like, obviously you're not going to be able to come in nose down you're going to catch the front of your skis but can like can you come in no uh tail low and kind of catch the back of the skis and set them down or do you really have to grease those landings uh well if you're talking about the sea duck actually uh the sea duck has those outrigger things and if you're going to use those if you're going to use that that plane directly on snow or or any sort of grass or any of that kind of stuff i would say leave the outriggers off if you're going to use it on water you need those outriggers for sure but those, uh, yeah, right. if you're talking about, you know, the sea duck specifically, right? But uh, um, as far as, like, just any float plane goes, um, as far as landing them on water, man, I, I, I really, from, for, for I, I really haven't done any water takeoffs or landings yet, and I really want to do them. Um, but as far as snow goes, um, snow is very forgiving. And, you know, if you uh, build your landing gear, right, like your struts, and they're able to take a bit of a hit, then you're, I mean, you can, you know, um, you, you could totally miss the landing and, you know, come in and make it look good. Right. So it's, uh, they're a lot of fun with okay. the sea duck is great because you're not worried about like struts or anything that are holding floats and like supports or anything. It just lands on the belly of the plane and it's still, you can taxi it around. Right. So it's, uh, right. You could totally grease that thing. Absolutely. For sure. It's, 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 it's meant to be sloppy. It, 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 it you you could you could bring it in you you could bring it in precision military style like I've one of one of the flying fields that I'm at in the summertime uh, it's really um, it's narrow but it's long and so on the lengthwise I've I mowed myself about a thirty foot by twelve foot wide runway it's kind of like take a, take fly around the sea dock and land it on like an aircraft carrier kind of size of you know scale wise it's it's not easy yeah. put out say. Right. <laughs> eight hula hoops in a row two rows of them side by side and land on land on them consistently kind of idea right so i mean that's a lot of it's that's right. a lot of fun right so there's uh there's that you could you could totally grease the sea duck there's a lot of planes like the sportster i probably could like it's got it's got wheeled landing gear there's no way i'd be able to land it on that and keep it on the runway like being being a tail dragger that kind of thing like it's just there's my skill level. I'm sure there's people that could do it, but there's just no way. I there'd be a lot of touch and goes before, before I'd feel confident to make sure that it was mm-hmm. it was coming down consistently, right? So, yeah, Sea Duck's right, a great right. plane. Great, it's 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 awesome. If you, if you're gonna start out early with a twin, yeah, Sea Duck would be the one to do it with. That's well, let me one. piggyback off of that real quick, Matthew, before you go for the yeah, other ones. Good. Um, speaking of all that, how often do you get out to fly? Um, I have, I have, um, it, well, it, it all depends on the weather. We get a really mixed bag of weather here. Of course, you guys probably get it around the East coast, of, like the, uh, the Carolinas there, but, um, 
it's uh, I I could I I could fly right out my back door. So I mean, I could I could fly six eight packs a day if I wanted to, kind of thing, right? And wow. Yeah. So I mean, that, there's that possibility. I could I could drive two minutes away from here and you know have wide open field where I could just open something right up. You know what I mean? It's uh you know do some nice high speed right. low passes that kind of thing. So man, I could fly seven days a week if I wanted to if the weather allowed me. Basically, if it's not rain and chances are you're like flying. That, the possibility is there. It doesn't mean I am, but yeah, the possibility is there. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> nice. So you, you're in Canada, obviously. You are Canadian at heart. Does that mean that you're partial to Canadian liveries? Like if uh, if you had a, you know, there's the Haviland Vampire, I think that, uh, was it? Uh, I can't think of the name of the, the group. Anyway, they sell it with a Canadian livery. Are you like, I'm in because they have a Canadian livery? Yeah, actually, if, if, if that was the case, if they had like a De Havilland that was British, like the Vampire that was a, a British version and a Canadian, I'd definitely choose mm -hmm. the Canadian version for sure. I gotta, I, I, I gotta represent yeah. a little bit, man. If it has a Canadian, <laughs> yeah, I gotta get the coverage <laughs> out there. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if it has a Canadian livery, is it like one of those? Oh, I have to get it because it has one. Uh, no, I no, mean, just because it has, or, Canadian, it looks cool. Yeah, I, I, I want it, but I'm, it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm addicted to it. No, that kind of thing. No, okay, that's fair. Um, Canadian bacon, did they have it right? The movie Canadian. Yeah, I bacon. know the movie. In your experiences, are Canadians as polite as that movie says I don't, they are? Uh, well, I don't know. I haven't met any of them, so I'm uh, either point point one out to me. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it kind of depends on where you live. Children. Like, I mean, um, maybe I'm used to it, and I'm not used to like. Live, are we more polite? Maybe I haven't lived in Europe or the states or anything. Like, I've been down to the states, and I've uh, been there on vacation, like touristy sort of places. So, yeah, everybody's having a good time. So I was treated very well, and yeah. I really. Really didn't really see much of it, or I, I was treated the way I'm used to being being treated, kind of idea, right? So I really didn't see much of a difference. Okay, but right. uh, yeah, no, I get the bird every once in a while, so we're not we're not all please and thank you, right? So <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. Okay, so we're we talked about um, how like how often you fly and your season. What, what kind of place do you fly from? Like, do you fly in a park, a yard, flying field? Like where do you um, tend to go? I go to places that are close. Um, like I said, I mean, depending on the size of the plane, the smaller stuff, I can, I can, I can hand launch right out of my backyard and fly above the trees, kind of idea. I got, I live on an acre, so my backyard is about an acre, kind of idea. And then, um, you know, my neighbors mm -hmm. on either side of me, they're just empty lots, and they got, they got two acres each. So I got like six acres of flying space right over my, right over my property. Oh yeah. Plus, uh, I got the, uh, I got the gravel road that's out, out front of the place, which is, makes an excellent runway. There's actually a clearing that opens up the intersection so people can see who's coming and who's not. So it just, it's, it's a perfect takeoff yeah. zone. Usually it's, it's sided on either side by trees. So it's, it's the first 30 feet or, you know, got a lot of, you know, good wind, wind sort of coverage blockage, that kind of thing. So it kind of makes things okay. easy there. But if I want to go out, uh, if I want to go out to a field or something like that, man, and like I said, two minute drive, and I'm I got like ten acres in front of me, you know, that is just wide open, no trees, that kind of thing, right? So, um, I'll go I'll go down to the river, I'll go down to the riverbank. I got a few, I think a couple videos actually on my YouTube channel where I'm uh, down at the river. Yeah, I was gonna yeah, ask yeah, you yeah. about that. So yeah, lots uh, of fun there. I'm looking for more locations, actually, more locations to film at that are gonna be interesting there's a bridge 
that I'd like to play around with, but it's kind of a highway bridge, and I don't think traffic people might not like that flying around and over a bridge, doing <laughs> doing loops over their cars. They're doing yeah. eighty kilometers across this bridge, you know, kind of idea. But <laughs> well, it's just yeah, please don't cause yeah. an accident. Right? I mean, I might crash a plane um, into the bridge or something like that, and then, you know, it's my it's my plane. I'd be I'd be out of plane, right? So it's over a river; it'd be gone. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely for sure. Uh, speaking of over a river, have you, have you used uh, that lake or the, the river that you go down to? Uh, have you tried to use that to take off of, of the water? I've definitely about thought about it, man. I do so want to. There's there's areas of that river where the river slows down, like little eddy pools and stuff like that. Um, the place that I go to, there's a lot of people okay. that swim around there. So in the summertime, it's pretty it's kind of too populated to be doing that pretty full a lot of times i'll, I'll take the belly landers yeah. out there but the the entire the entire landscape around the river in like the beach area that we're at it's not like soft sand it's not like grass it's 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 river rock right so but be, be, yeah, belly landing on river rock isn't isn't too uh, formidable to your props no. right so <laughs> um i I'll, I'll i'll usually i'll usually belly land them in the trees like there's these Every once in a while, you're like you're walking down the beach, you'll find like a patch that's probably about I don't know 50 feet long of these 10 foot tall like like very leafy sort of like bushes, and I'll just I'll just I'll just belly land or I'll just okay. belly flop the plane into that and then shake it out of the tree and then change the battery and toss it back up again, right? So yeah, it's kind of where it works out there. Uh, okay. Yeah. So in my experience, and I haven't had a lot of experience of flying off of water, you don't need much uh, depth wise to make it That's work. That's what I understand too. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I flew off of like a temporary puddle. I saw that. And the I saw temporary that. puddle, I, I would have been maybe at the deepest part ankle deep. And it was plenty to get that, uh, the sea angel mm -hmm. it was uh, off the water. It's awesome. Uh, if you get a chance to fly off of a darn puddle, yeah. do it. You'll, you'll yeah. enjoy it. That, that goes for both of you guys. Um, All right. Okay. Well, so then I guess the question, one of the last questions we have is like, uh, what, what transmitters have you used? And do you think you've kind of come and settled on one or are you still kind of looking at what might else what might be out there or what kind of feature might sway you to get a different one? Oh man, this is a loaded question really. I mean, I've had, I've had the spectrum police after, after me for this one, man. It's uh, wow. <laughs> you're, you're, you're really nailing me to the, nailing me to the board here, buddy. <laughs> Putting me on no. the spot. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? Look, I, as a noob. Okay. So here's the deal. Like as a noob, one of the biggest questions most noobs have is like, what transmitter do I get? Because it's one of the basic, biggest expenses you're going to have. It lasts you the longest, I think, in the yeah. hobby. Right? It's like, bread and butter. You, you can buy a plane and it'll be done in a week, but the transmitter will stick with you, right? Like, so everybody wants to know, well, what should I get, right? And well, I want to know what your experiences are. Okay, so what you should I'm, get is not I'm what I started with. Um, it was, uh, well, go go ahead and do it uh, disagree with me that's fine um i'm sure you'll get comments about this but i did i was i was talked into buying the dxe could just because like again i walked into the hobby store and i was just so noob they were just like hey whatever this guy you know it's gonna he's gonna either crash it and it's gonna end up in the closet like 90 percent of the people that walk in here or you know he's gonna mm -hmm. just give him something kind of thing and it was the spectrum dxe and it was for what it was and for what it did for the year that i had it um I definitely learned mm -hmm. a lot about transmitters, how they work, that kind of thing, the programming, 
you know, there's, it's basic stuff, but it's stuff you wouldn't have gotten if it was just, you got like your, you're ready to fly sort of situation. Right. And it's, it's a little bit more involved. You get to customize right. it a little bit. And it was, it was great that way. Um, for me though, man, I just had problems with losing signal on it all the time. Right. And it was just my experience. There's a lot of people that I right. talked to. I remember, I remember you talking about that. There was a lot that. of people that I talked to and they're like, I've never had an issue. And I just stuffed my receivers into my plane and there's like wires all the way. It's a rat's nest in there. And I'm like, I'm the guy because of the experiences that I've had of losing signal. A situation where I started getting frustrated with it because I knew it wasn't my fault. Right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. looking at, looking at, right. at, you know, aftermarket receivers and, you know, going through three $50 spectrum specific receivers and that kind of stuff. It, it, I, I just started getting frustrated with the situation. Right. So time to look for a new protocol. I'm, that's kind of what I diagnosed it down to doing the research, that kind of thing. It's looking at what other people are using. Right. So yeah. this is around the time after about a year in that you started seeing like the jumper T16 coming out. Yeah. And the jumper T8s. T8s and all that were getting yeah. big, big kudos because they could bind down everything. Yeah, and they have the four and one protocols, the external units and yeah. all that kind of stuff. There's you could you could play around with whatever you want. Buy Fly Sky receivers for fifteen bucks, buy Radio Master receivers for twelve bucks, buy well, you yeah. you could do whatever sort of protocol you wanted to on there. There's what fifty different types of receivers you could you could bind to this thing. Exactly. Anyway, that stuff started coming out. It's it's a number. Yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of room to experiment there. So I just wanted to see if my my theory was right and the price was right. And then mm-hmm. the Radio Master stuff come out, right? So I'd already ordered actually a jumper T16 and the order was taking <laughs> a long time cuz they couldn't fulfill it. I I've been waiting for 3 months for them to even ship it. And then there's another 4 to 6 weeks to get it after shipping, right? Oh man. So in the time that I was waiting for this order to be fulfilled before shipment, the radio master mm-hmm. came out. You're seeing the comparison videos and I'm like, ah, and it's, you yeah. know, 30, 40, 50 bucks cheaper. Mm-hmm. I still have time to cancel my order and get the radio master. So that's, that's, that's what I went with. Um, I've been using, um, the fly sky protocols. Um, I've just started using the radio master receivers. So they're, they're FR sky. I think they're FR sky protocols with the I radio masters remember, yeah okay. so yeah i've been playing around with those and i've had a lot of success never had an issue with losing signal um the open tx thing i think has gotten a lot of recognition given the jumper had come out at that point in time so i was really getting interested in that as well when i was looking to change from the spectrum and uh mm-hmm. that was really intriguing right. and uh it kind of opened up a whole you know bunch of new doors that the dxe could not offer for the right price right so Right. But there's, this is, this is, this is what happened. Like, this is why the whole spectrum police thing came up is because I was leaving the whole spectrum, <laughs> spectrum, you know, idea and mentality. Yeah. Right. And they're like, you, you oh, can't leave you, the you group. need to get yourself a, a, yeah, you need to get yourself a DX six or a DX eight, you know, that kind of stuff. They're way better. And right. well, yeah. if you can't get your economy model to work right, why am I going to buy a more expensive model in the same right brand when i have so many other options out there for a cheaper price right so that was that was that was kind of where i went with that right now that was the only reason i did i just thought it was a smart move as a consumer you know somebody that's Mm -hmm. looking for that that success right and uh yeah i was kind of being on the forums i was like yeah i'm picking up the radio master and people like what no spectrum what what, trader and all that kind of stuff (laughs) and it just really got ridiculous right so yeah i just i I don't i'm not i'm not i I run the radio master. 
don't tell anybody. Yeah, <laughs> you know no, that's good. Look, be, be <laughs> proud of it, right? Like, look, I, I think what it comes down to, and this is anytime somebody spends a lot of money on something, they're going to be behind the choice, right? Like you spend a lot of money on your car and people are die hard, whatever type of car they drive. Like just, yes, this is the best car ever. Well, yeah, you spent thousands of dollars on it. Of course you're going to be behind it. You should. Like you should be confident in what you purchase, right? And for for this hobby, some of the bigger purchases you have are going to be your transmitter. So, and it's the thing that sticks with you. So, yeah, you know, it's naturally people are going to kind of say, no, this is, I made the right choice. And you know what? And if it's working for you, it's the right choice. Cool. Yeah. I know Absolutely. for you, Chris, it wasn't working for you at all. Like it was causing all sorts of troubles and making you wonder if you should even continue in the hobby and all sorts of stuff. And I'm glad you went and said, you know what? I'm going to try this new thing. Uh, all the reviews kind of give it what I'm looking for. Let me try it. And, you know, it's it's been positive so far, I think, right? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. There's no question about that. I mean, I know Joe uh, just recently uh, tried his hand with whether you have a radio master now, right? Or at least your father-in-law has it that he's working with you with. Uh, I have the radio master. It's actually my dad uh, anted up to right. buy that, that was... one for he and I being able to go out and fly. Uh, so it's sitting here with me. Um, I've got one kind of flight on it um so i can't speak to it a whole lot other than the the functionality is probably going to be good <laughs> i've i've spent yeah. a lot of time in the menus i can say that um the turn well, you'll be able just... to take a look at it go ahead i was gonna say you'll be able to look at it and be able to see the differences between the two right like the turn you have is like the early model of what that ended up becoming way down the way right yeah yeah, um, so, and I'm looking forward to being able to fly the the Radio Master more and figure out a lot of the stuff. And I know that you can load OpenTX or flash OpenTX onto Eternity, but that was just a mod that I wasn't ready to undertake yet. Um, you know, yeah. purchasing a board and having to open the case and modify the case and solder it in, and then flashing firmware and do you break the transmitter? So. Yeah, I, I may do it one day when I'm a little more confident with all that. Do they actually change the, uh, the display screen when they do that mod? Does it, do they go to the color screen or is it still the LCD? What is it? I'm not 100% sure because I've only briefly looked into it. Um, I I think you're probably still utilizing the same screen. You may be able to go to a uh, a color screen on it. I don't know. To be honest with you, I think we just put in the the chip that's needed to be able to flash uh i think there's a mod with it to include an sd card so of course you can load up your open tx stuff uh, uh, so okay. there's a couple mm -hmm. of internal mods because it wasn't really built for it at the time you know it's got its firmware and you're kind of flashing a new thing onto it so you got to add in the the flashing chip or the programming chip and then you know, you're soldering in an SD card for expanded storage, and then you got to cut outside the case to accept a USB port to be able to plug it into your computer to do the work. Mm. But again, I only briefly looked into it. Mm -hmm. Sounds like it might be worth doing if it's if it's a if it's a good transmitter. I yeah. I very much like my Turnigy. Um 
Like I've only had a couple signal issues, two of which I've had three signal issues, two of which I can attribute to uh, Wi-Fi in the area, and I've I've talked about that before. Uh, the third one was with the old fogey. I was out in front of my old school. There should have been no reason, but the plane just quit responding. Uh, it seems so. I don't know exactly what that issue was, and it could have been that I kind of took a shortcut and didn't arrange the receiver antennas in a in an appropriate way i may have had the the antenna on the transmitter pointed directly at the plane in which case you know you're kind of in that donut dead spot so i'm not yeah entirely sure on that one that wi-fi issue actually with the open tx uh you can actually there's a in your system you can go in and it'll give you a uh, scan analysis of, inspection analysis yeah give you a scan of the noise that you have interference in your nice. area to make sure you keep away from it that's nice that'll be worth figuring out how to do so i can actually scan an area before i fly in it absolutely it's it's pretty accurate like out here i've scanned i scanned the areas out here i got nothing out here i mean i'm out, I'm out in the country i'm flatlined the whole way right but i'll turn it on and <laughs> yeah. say um like like inside a hobby store in edmonton in the city and you can just see this thing like it's it's got yeah. spikes all over the place right so oh yeah it's nice. uh it's definitely it's definitely accurate. It tells you within your your scope, your two point four gigs, what's what's out there, right? Or not, not exactly what's out there, but how noisy it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a nice feature. <clears throat> nice. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap this episode up here. Um, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening, and we hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, apologies for the unusual ending uh, of this episode. But as discussed earlier, uh, next episode, Matthew and I will share some more flight stories and then we will be getting back into uh, our discussions with Chris and talk about coverings. So until next time, take care.